Welcome everybody to season two, episode 0. 0.069 of so six nine's a bad number. <laughs> that wasn't on purpose. <laughs> four twenty. Add four twenty in there. Yeah, episode four twenty, episode point four two zero of Behind the Geeks. I am here with Scott Riley, Richard Tubb, and Pete Matheson, and myself, Nigel Moore. And this tonight, this evening, this morning, whatever it happens to be, we are going to be talking about print marketing slash traditional marketing and maybe even a little bit of email marketing for MSPs and uh, whether it works, the tactics that we're seeing working, the tactics that we're seeing not working out there. And we're going to dive into a bunch of stuff, showing a bunch of things like all of this crazy stuff that we've got here and, and diving into ways you can use it, ways you can get started and whatnot. Now, caveat, I have got the Rona. And so we're, we're now, it was Scott's turn two weeks ago or three weeks ago, I think. What's that mean? Oh, you gave it to me. That's it. No, no, it's, yeah, it's me staying away from you. Oh, you staying away from me. <laughs> I don't me. want to yeah, catch so it. It was your turn three weeks ago, so now I've got it. My throat is on fire, so I may be a little bit quieter on this one, although I haven't started off quiet, <laughs> but we'll see how we go. So to kick off the conversation, I, I think it's probably good for us to talk at a high, like 20,000 foot view before we start showing things and whatnot about print marketing and traditional marketing and what it, it means and what it is. And the, the terms are thrown around a lot of like direct mail and direct response and direct marketing. And I think, Pete, I'm going to shine the spotlight on you because you, you were doing this stuff in your MSP. You were using it successfully. You were getting some results out of it. You were using one of the most basic forms of direct mail marketing that I believe nearly every MSP should have in space in place. And that's a, a basic print newsletter, like a regular print newsletter that you send out to your prospects and clients. So if we want to kick off, that's one of the, the first things that is in the direct marketing world. Did you want to kick off just talking a little bit about how you were using yeah, that absolutely. and what it might have looked like? Yeah. and. How I think for us, a, a newsletter was, and actually with print marketing in general for us, it, it was less about like thinking about it, less about direct lead generation. It wasn't like we're sending some stuff out and expecting to get some leads directly off the back of it. Um, we, we tried a few of them. I mean, we tried like some, a few direct letters and those kind of things and didn't really get anywhere that far with, with kind of doing that approach. But my thinking around having, so yeah, starting off with like a newsletter, for example, we want to be on our customers' desks. So initially it would go out to our clients. So we've just got that something that's just sat on the desk that's constantly there. You know, if, if a colleague or friend or just someone else comes in, it's, oh yeah, there's, there's test, well, I can't speak name, techers, my old MSP, like that's them. And you can kind of pass the details over and just on the off chance that of, you know, all the times we've done it, of all the letters that we sent out, and then they could get passed to someone and, and referred to us. But it wasn't just for that as well. Um, and going back to whether it was last week or, or kind of session before that, when you're talking about putting like your message out, whether it's product updates, you know, communicating the changes with 365 pricing, like all of these kind of things you want to talk about, putting it out across all the media like formats. So like print media, yes, email, yes, but also video and podcast, you know, as many formats as you can because you don't know what format they're going to read or listen to it or digest it from. So you might as well put it out through a printed format so they can have something physically there to to read. Now I love the one that the Tech Tribe has. Conveniently, because it looks very, very similar to the one I had many, many years ago. But um, we did a very, very short. It's eight pages. I don't know how long the uh, the Tech Tribe one is, Nigel. Is it about eight pages? We've got two. One, I think, is four pages. One is two pages, but a weird size. So it folds mm -hmm. out into six, I think. Yeah. So, so we did eight pages. But we found it was long enough to be informative, but not too long to just bore people yeah, to death and they, people, they won't yeah. read it all. It's meant to be short, snappy, and you can fill it out with, uh, you know, there's only really an article or two that's in there. You can have a whole page dedicated to like news pages. This is like one of our first, I think this was our first one, October 2016 was our first one. 
And it's basically, I use the, the cover page as a bit of an intro to how we've got on, what's happened this month, any latest updates you need to be aware of, that kind of thing. There was a whole page just worth of news updates. So just going through the latest news online and picking some slightly relevant, cool. slightly cool fun tidbits. And like things that, you know, because it's going to business owners, like business owners might kind of enjoy reading about the new Tesla or the new iPhone. It doesn't have to be like techie, techie detail because people don't, apart from us, care about that stuff. <laughs> bragging board um love a little bragging boards where you can uh, talk about all your testimonials and just highlight what you've done recently with uh, with some of your clients and we had a um article so uh, this was actually uh was this a guest article this was one wrote, but actually you could use your your clients to get uh, content for your for your mm. your, your uh, newsletter like ask them to give you something we had, you know, accountants are perfect because they can give you finance stuff to put in your newsletter yeah, yeah. that can help indicate your clients on yeah, taxes or you know, saving tax, what have you. And then at the very back there, oh, God, that's a very old photo of me. Look at my old bleach blonde hair. Uh, um, <laughs> hang on, let, let, let's uh, click the big button so everybody can see that nice and <laughs> zoomed in here. Yeah, we're, there we go. Look at that. <laughs> uh, dear me. Um, <laughs> But we had a section on there to welcome new customers by name. So if they yeah, signed awesome. up recently, they'd see their name in the newsletter. That's cool. Um, yeah. What's coming up in the next one? And then, yeah, if you want to be featured in the next edition, then uh, give us a call or drop us an email. Yeah, yeah. That's essentially it. Um, so what was the developed... impact of that, Pete? <laughs> Sorry, Richard? Impact of that? What was the impact on your, your business? How, what did that achieve, do you think? So I, I think this goes back to its... Directly speaking, this, I don't think, had a direct impact on the business. But yeah. through everything we did, it was that whole. It was one piece of that many piece of brand awareness. So, I, like I said before, I'm not expecting to put this out, and I'm suddenly going to, and my turnover is going, you know, turnover is going to increase, or profit is going to go up, or anything. It's just something to build up everything else that's going on. And actually, it became a lot easier. I mean, it's really, really easy with the Tech Tribe templates because it's basically done for you. The way we started doing things because of our video content, we created a video. That video would get turned into an article, or that article would go into the newsletter. So it, it went from me having to spend a few hours a month trying to you know, brainstorm, come up with ideas, content for the newsletter, to actually just handing it over to our marketing uh, apprentice, who just went, okay, well, there's two videos Pete's created this time, and um, let's just put all that stuff into the newsletter, and then just fill it in, obviously, with like the latest news and all those kind of bits. So it really wasn't a huge amount of um, stuff for us to come up with. It was, it was quite straightforward. Um, was your cadence monthly or quarterly or we did monthly? Month, we, we did monthly. Um, and it got to the stage where, and, and this is the interesting one that I was told to try at some point, stick to a regular schedule like if you're doing it monthly and then purposely skip one one month <laughs> and just see what happens. See yeah. if your client notice, see if someone asks and said, oh, where's the, where's the edition of your newsletter? I was expecting it. And then you get to know if people are actually bothering to read it or not. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. But also... Exactly. We had, and just goes to the power of like having newsletters, we had, from our first edition we sent out, one of our clients came back to us and said, oh, Pete, received your newsletter, like loved it, read it from cover to cover. One question, why didn't you email it to me? <laughs> be be because you just read it cover to cover? You, you just <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's why. If I'd send it by an email, like a traditional email kind of marketing newsletter, which we can get onto in a bit, no one would read it. It would get auto-filed into a newsletter folder. No one would care. They wouldn't even pay attention to the information or news yeah. stuff, important stuff in it. Whereas this, yeah. cover to cover, we had so many comments that people actually read it, digested what was in it, questions that came from it. And you can do things like, uh, just before I kind of move on, I haven't got any here, but my opinion with newsletters is don't print them out on a laser jet 
in black and white and staple the corners together <laughs> and put it in a white envelope. No one's going to read that. Like, print it in full color on good quality paper and put it in like a bright colored fluorescent envelope because mm. it stands out. And yeah, people yeah. get to know that when that orange or yellow envelope comes through every month, yeah. that's the newsletter. In terms of who to send it to is worth touching on as well. We generally sent it to clients because we wanted our clients to have updates and any like active, warm prospects we were talking to as well. So we didn't send out to a cold list because that can get very expensive for print marketing, but we at least sent it to those we were talking to or at least, at least we knew there was an opportunity. So it, you know, we might have been sending it to them for like a year because we knew it was a, a long-tail opportunity, but we kept them on those lists. And as, as soon as we knew it was kind of a dead end, Sounds a bit rude, but we took them off because we I'm not going to spend the money on sure. a dead end. Because <laughs> yeah. you know, particularly when you're printing like an eight page full color yeah. with postage and getting the, the companies to ship it every single month, that could be anywhere from like two hundred to five hundred pounds. Um, so it's quite a quite a high monthly cost from a from like a marketing expense anyway. Um, yeah, but as you say, it's also the the point to make there is with marketing is the costs are not like it's the, not the raw cost of the that, that it, you should be focusing on that are the expensive part it's the how much did it cost to get someone to read my articles and to engage with my content mm-hmm. and as you say like as you were saying throwing an email newsletter together and getting it into their inbox it's probably got a one in 1000 chance of having someone read the entire lot putting that awesome looking newsletter on their desk in front of them has probably got a one in five chance of someone reading the lot. So your, your costs of someone reading the whole lot are far cheaper than someone reading the whole lot in an email. And so your, your costs yeah. there are cheaper than email marketing doing that marketing. It's just a lot of MSPs, a lot of people like all of us start off looking at these things going, ah, crap, like 500 bucks a month or whatever it is, that's expensive. Not realizing that it's even more expensive to do bad marketing out there and to go yeah. and focus on, on email or whatever it happens to be that's going to get you even less results than what this thing is. And so um, I think that's such an important point is it's just the, the costs are not the cost. The costs really are the costs of not doing this stuff is what, what the yeah. costs are. One, one thing I would say, just to finish that part off, is with like, without getting too much, well, it is in the weeds, like the, the, the paper quality and those kind of mm. things. I don't know if you have them anywhere else in the country, but in, in the UK, I found this company called Solar Press. And this not sponsored, I'm yeah, not getting anything from it, but it's, a, it's a basically a collection of all the different paper types that they have in one little kind of folder. So you can flick through, find the quality that you like, all the embossed stuff, all the like pre-folded that I found is really useful because you can look through, find the quality that you want to use. And we, we did um, a few like those little kind of square brochures, uh, like these things, that had a, like a rubberized texture just on the front cover just to make it feel like right. that high quality um, and then a slightly different texture inside. Just It's worth getting one of those. They're, they're normally free because obviously you're meant to buy stuff off the back of them anyway. I geek but out on those things. I love getting them. Grab one, click through it. It's so interesting. It's like I, gold I've got leaf, buckets of that stuff here. Yeah. You know what you guys are reminding me of right now? Have you ever watched the movie American Psycho? Oh, yeah. And My favorite movie. The, the uh, 14 milligrams of uh, business card. And it's like, ah. Oh. At the moment, I'm looking at Nigel and Pete. I'm like, American Psycho here. Yeah. So. Geek out on that stuff like crazy. Someone's going to get out a metal but- tin with their newsletters in. I keep yeah. mine in a metal tin. Here's my newsletters. Yeah. But, it, but it's such a, like it, it's a funny point. It's a funny point, but it is also like your font, your 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 matte gloss, whatever it happens to be, the cardstock, everything is a reflection of your brand. And as Pete said, you print it out on 80 GSM uh, um, copy paper, and that's what people see as your brand, the cheap, dirty, nasty one that can't be bothered spending an extra 30 pence or whatever it is on high-quality stock. And so stock is such an important part in here. And, and yes, I, that scene in American Psycho is one of my favorite scenes in any movie of all time. <laughs> 
when he goes on, but it is so darn true. Like stock is so important to, and the whole thing is just a complete representation of you, your business, your underlying thing. And I think Richard, you say this a lot is how you do one thing is how you do everything. And in the marketing world, yeah. that is so true. Like when you, when a, a prospect goes and sees something really high quality, like Pete's print newsletter there, they automatically assume that everything else in your business is high quality. You take a high quality approach to your service delivery, to the way you, you, you dress, to the way that you show up, to the way you look after their business. And it's, it's, a, it's such a true um, reflection of how you do one thing is how you do everything out there. Yeah, there was an analogy I wanted to make as well there, Pete, I was asking you about like, what was the direct impact on your business? And of course, it's really difficult to measure, isn't it really difficult? But you know, it's a good thing. And the analogy I would make with uh, this type of printed newsletter and, and any of these type of things that you do, nobody is with uh, PR. So we used to invest a lot in PR uh, when I ran the MSP business in Birmingham. So we were regularly in the local press, regularly, you know, being featured and stuff. Now, nobody ever in the history of PR, has picked up the phone and said, Richard, I saw you in the Birmingham Evening Mail. We've got to work with you, ever. But when we went to business networking events and things like that, I would introduce myself. And people would go, I saw you in the local paper. Yeah, we've been meaning to speak to somebody about it. And it just, it was that credibility building. And I I think to your point, Pete, it's exactly the same. It's like, who are we? What do we stand Mm -hmm. for? Are we experts? You know, none, so none of it's going to lead to a direct sale, yet all of it's going to lead to a direct sale, if that makes sense. So, yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll um, self-promo myself because I've just got some stuff here that I um, shot yesterday from some videos. So we've just uploaded a, an award entry. So, yeah, another printed, very, very similar to like this kind of format, the square format. We uploaded a, an award entry kind of brochure that we used that basically won us like customer service of the year, best medium business, but like best business of the year. Show off kind of little yeah. titles and things here. But, um, but just having something that makes yourself stand out a bit. Um, going back to the analogy uh, there of like printing things out on like, yeah, crappy laser jet printer with staples in the corner. Very similar with the like award entries. Most people just fire up Microsoft Word, type it out, get their word count, whatever it's going to be, and then email it across. Actually, if you were to do a, a nicely presented thing, make it look pretty, like all, your, this, all the kind of key stats and everything you need from the award entry, print it on really good quality paper, post it to them that's going to make you stand out above and beyond like all the other ones that have just sent an email so it's just just looking for ways that you can kind of make sure like what you're saying nigel like to make sure sure that everything you're doing looks to be that premium quality so it reflects in your service and everything else you do as well it's the same thing we did with video you know trying to make a real good effort with video from day one so you get that good quality so you don't kind of have those wobbly shaky hand mobile phone (laughs) videos instead Uh, but yeah I i think if you make an effort in your marketing as long as you actually have a good service to back it up, then then it all kind of reflects on itself and, and helps yourself out as well. Exactly. Scott, you're the quiet one tonight. Oh, hang on, I am. This, you know, this this is all new okay. to me. And maybe maybe I'll be the voice of the skeptic um, in, in the audience who maybe is looking at it and going, well, you know, print seems hard and difficult and expensive by the sounds of it. I'm hearing like an extra 6K a year on some newsletters that sound really nice and really pretty, but don't have a direct return that I can monitor and track. Um, and, and I'm at a stage where I need to make every penny count. And so email marketing to me seems a bit more monitorable and a bit more measurable. Like I know I can hit a list. I know I can see how many people opened it and clicked on it and, you know, engaged it in some way. And maybe I can then make some decisions like we do with our videos to go, well, the audience was interested in this, but not this, this, but not that I can tailor and I can change, but I won't get that in print. And so maybe Ah. that's my mindset. Yeah. Yeah. If you do it properly. 
And so, okay. Do you know, have you guys heard of Dan Kennedy, right? One of the world's most amazing marketers out there, written some amazing books on marketing and whatnot. And he's got one of his, one of his rules that he has in any marketing out there is that every single piece of marketing that you put out into the, into the world should have attribution built into it, right? So you should be able to figure out whether that dollar that you're putting out there is returning a dollar or 10 back to you. And so with print marketing, um, especially when you're doing targeted campaigns, say you're going to do a, um, uh, you're going to, grab a list of people like a list of local business owners or whatever, and you're going to run a print campaign out to them. You need to make sure that you're not sending them a brochure because if you send them a brochure, you can't tell whether they're the people that are, are calling you back or whatever. You have to send them a very specific offer and that offer has to be attributable to that particular campaign. And so a particular example that, that we're about to launch to our tech tribe members is, um, is what's called the first aid campaign. And it looks like this, like it's a, a bunch of different things that go out over a, a spaced period. And it's um, from one of our Tech Tribe members, Jim Stackhouse. Um, we licensed it from him to go and give out to our members. And so he, he built this particular campaign and, um, and has used it. So he went out and bought a list of, I think it was 1,400 businesses in his local area and that were all his demographic, like his target demographic. Then he went out and scrubbed that list to make sure he got rid of all the businesses that don't make sense for him to market to, like a hospital or whatever it happens to be, or competitors and stuff like that. And then he, he sent out this first aid campaign over a three-week period to those people um, which one thing first and then a follow-up phone call on the fourth day and then the second part of the campaign or whatever. He has grown his business from three or four staff to 35 staff and, a, and nearly a $10 million turnover by using the first aid campaign and other campaigns, um, completely print marketing, not focusing on anything else other than print marketing, but knowing that every campaign that he puts out there is trackable because there's a, the call to action in this particular campaign is register on this particular landing page here for your free offer sometimes like in this particular <clears throat> one here the free offer is two hours of it support but there's many different types of offers that you can put in a campaign and you've got to make sure that each campaign that you send out if you want proper attribution to figure out whether your dollars are working or not is unique and if it's not unique then you're not going to know whether your dollars are working or not right and dan kennedy is very 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 strong in making sure that every time you put out an offer you've got a unique mechanism in there to be able to attribute it back to, to where it works and what you typically find in nearly most businesses around the world is that when you start doing email marketing and you start doing um, print marketing, you will often find that the dollar for dollar print marketing will work out better for you than email marketing will, even though you can attribute from both. And as long as you're attributing from both now, that's, that's kind of uh, painting with a pretty broad brush brush though, mm. because every marketplace is different. But what, and what you really should be doing is testing. Like you should be going and doing email marketing and print marketing and figuring out what works the most. And that's how Jim started his, his world as he went out and, and did both and realized that this stuff here, for every dollar he puts in, he gets five bucks back. With email marketing, for every dollar he puts in, he gets two bucks back. And he goes, oh, well, what's the point of doing email marketing when I'm getting crap tons more out of this? It might sound more expensive up front, but it's not the upfront that you've got to care about. It's the return that you've got to care about. And, mm -hmm. and of course, like there's the whole capital conversation. Like sometimes you just might not have access to the capital to go and put one of these things together. And that's where you've got to go out and, because it, it's even to get results out of these, you're typically looking at 1%, which means for every hundred that you send out, you might get a, a client or a, a hot prospect in there. And so that means and with a packet of these, they might be 10 bucks to go and do a whole campaign to people. So that's at least a thousand or $2,000 with postage and everything and all your logistics to go and run that particular campaign, which can be a lot to get started. But on the flip side, 
um, you go and throw $2,000 into email marketing, you might not get anything out there, out of there. So it's, it's one of those things you've got to figure out where you are with your capital, how much capital you can outlay into these things. You've got to test, you've got to put in enough dollars, as we always say, to get a chance at getting results in these things. You can't go and send out 20 of these and expect to get results because the numbers are not working in your favor. When they're at 1% to, you know, as a typical response rate, you've got to be sending out hundreds and hundreds of these things in a batch to get a chance to get a result out of them. So I'm um, so Scott, I will say, yes, it's hard. And you, and, and yes, sometimes if you don't do print marketing with properly attributable campaigns out there, then yeah, you don't know what's working, right? It's like throwing mud at a wall and you don't even know what's sticking out there. But the whole goal with any marketing out there is to make sure that you can attribute every dollar you send out there and figure out what mechanisms you can put in place into that each campaign so that you know whether it works and whether it doesn't in there. And, and all your marketing systems and your CRMs nowadays are pretty good at being able to help you track those metrics as well to figure out um, how how much return you are getting in those dollars. All the, the ad platforms do it. All your CRMs where you're doing print campaigns can do it fairly easily as well out of there. Oh, I'm going to stop talking because my, my throat's going to burn. <laughs> I'll save your throat, uh, Nigel. Uh, Nick Smith in the chat makes a really good point that I think he said um, he's often seen things like oh, a yeah. flyer with a QR code and some yeah, kind yeah. of reward for scanning and registering, exactly. maybe in-person events. That really helps with attribution. I'm going to say now, especially as you're... Suffering from uh, coronavirus at the moment, the coronavirus has done more for the QR code than anything <laughs> else. Because I can tell you, prior to uh, coronavirus, QR codes were around, and we've all seen them. Did anybody ever scan them? Like hardly ever. And then, thanks to you know coronavirus and everybody having to check in organizations and scan things and this, that, and the other, you know QR codes have really taken off. So it's gone yeah. from being something that was like, oh yeah, I'd rather type a URL in. To people have just got used to using it. So great point on that, Nick. Yeah, hundred percent. Because it's a good way to do attribution as well. Hundred percent. Richard, I think in, in my brain it, it makes sense, right? Because like when I get I get a billion emails a day, mm. you know, trying to sell me something and trying to put something in, you know, my message box or LinkedIn. Hi, I just like to connect. We're in some of the same groups, and then it's sell, 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 sell. I'm like, oh man, you just get bombarded with digital messages all the time. And so I I, I get it. I genuinely think like if I was to put something in print, like if it, if I get print stuff through, I look at it. I'll have a flip through the magazines from like the, the people that we work with. And I'll, I might even just be sat on a conference call and having a little browse through because I know it's that, it's that touch, it's that, that physical interaction that makes it more, just makes it more interesting. It's more of something that I want to flip through in between things rather than I'll, I'll very rarely go back and go, where was that sales message someone sent me in my inbox? Let me just scroll down and find that thing where they were trying to sell me something. Um, and so I, I get it. And I think you, your points, guys, around the, the attribution make a real big difference to me. I think I was looking at Pete's suggestion of a, a kind of keep in touch newsletter and going, oh, man, that sounds expensive to just do a keep in touch kind of campaign and keep people updated. But if it's, you know, like that first aid campaign or something that we're trying to like drive through to an opportunity or to a landing page or to a QR code or something where I can say, hey, we've we printed these and sent them out and we we spent a lot because like you say, we'll do it right and we'll do it high quality. We'll put a lot of effort into getting the look and the feel and the sound and the tone of voice right. I, I want to know that it that it turns into something and people were interested. So I love that idea of getting the attribution links or, or QR codes. You can put attributions and printed newsletters too. 
Yeah. Attribution also applies to printed newsletters as well. You can have offers in them for even to existing clients for things in there. And you, you, you put, um, Hey, this month we've got a special on HP desktop, simply mention this newsletter and you'll get a hundred bucks off. Like, Little things like that really help with attribution in even in the printed newsletter itself. And it's with any of this direct mail stuff or with anything, like in the whole in the whole marketing world, it is all about touch points, right? It's touch points with awesome quality stuff, like no like and trust. And so doing a, a like a first aid campaign or whatever the heck it happens to be on its own in a silo is going to have less results than doing a first aid campaign to somebody in addition to doing the, the having the printed newsletter going to them. So they're kind of seeing all these multi-touch points in there because that, that printed newsletter part of it is going to elevate the chances of them responding to something like this when they're getting a, a great education piece out of that thing. Or, or like I just saw Gary mention that he's talking about he just had the cybersecurity brochure done and, um, and is about to send it out. This stuff here, um, this one here doesn't actually have any inbuilt attribution into this thing. It's a positioning piece and an authority piece in the marketing, but it, it adds cadre and, and, um, and weight to when you go and run one of these specific campaigns out there um, in the whole direct response world, pushing for a response or pushing for someone to take a particular action. In it. Something just to add on to there with the uh, attribution. Even though you're sending digital stuff out, you can very easily track to a certain extent. Just put a unique tracking number, like a phone yeah. number on there. Everyone's got, um, you know, VoIP phone system. Just spin up another phone number. Yeah, we did it for, for literally everything. We, we had... Um, we gave away notebooks, like paper notebooks, like just plain paper, put a number on the back of them saying, call this number if you need a new one, we'll give one to you for free. And we could know exactly when someone was calling that number yeah. that it was going to be to request a new notebook because it had that unique number on the back. You can do that with everything, with um, yes. obviously a unique number on your website. There's ways of tracking that in with your Google Ads as well, so you're tracking Google Ads yeah. uh, phone calls. But yeah, on every single thing that you're printing, put a different phone number and make sure you obviously register it in your, your phone system of what it's coming from. Then you can start tracking and figure out where the where the business is coming from. Yeah, Brilliant. it is yeah. such a good point. With thing, tools like Twilio and all of those things nowadays, and all those VoIP numbers, where it's so easy to get a separate number nowadays, there's really no excuse to not put a separate number in every single type of campaign you're putting out there. If you're putting a phone number in a campaign, for instance, in the the first aid one, you might not to choose to put a phone number because you might only want them to go to a landing page to register. But if you are going to put a phone number, make sure it's unique in there so that you, as Pete says, you're seeing how many people are making calls from that one specific campaign out there. It's so darn easy nowadays. Talking of unusual campaigns, I've just almost laughed out loud here. Jorgen uh, Lindblom on uh, LinkedIn <laughs> just said, how about sending USB sticks with information regarding security and wellness courses? <laughs> wink, wink. I think that is absolute gold because as soon as people plug them in, you can be like, ah, 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 you, you just make your money that way by, by logging into their bank account. You don't even need to provide MSP services, man. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. But that's an in-joke in our industry, right? Mm. Um, now, Richard, you wanted uh, to talk about have, uh, books as well. Just, oh, sorry, just you go. before we move on to yeah. email marketing and books, there was one other thing that, that we had a fair amount of success with just trying to find it here. This is something that um, we started doing fairly on. So this goes back to like the they ask you answer kind of thing we were talking about a few weeks ago. Um, and it's when you walk into like the first meeting with a client or when you're doing those first initial discussions over the phone, all the questions they normally ask you, like, what do you charge? Like, how does out of hours work? What are your support SLAs? Like, all that kind of stuff. So we created this. It was kind of a, a welcome brochure slash hello brochure, yeah, cool. which was basically yeah, answering nice. all of those questions. And it literally went through all the services we offer. How do we pay? For, you know, payment terms. We're on fifty-day payment terms and collected by direct debit. Like, however you want to do that stuff. This is how we do feedback. These are the services we offer and sell. It just runs them through everything, so you can basically leave the meeting. And go look. Hey, this answers most of the questions you've got right now. Here you go. I'll leave you with it. 
and that kind of gives them all that info without having to go through and spend all that time. And you can do that to stage. It it started off as we'd send it to our new clients. So you've taken a client on board, you send it to them to welcome them. That was why it's called the welcome brochure. Because it would say like, oh, on on day, uh, I don't know, on on day five, you're going to get some brownies. So, you know, there'll be a special gift in there for cool. you. Just things like that. Yeah, and then it cool. developed into actually, it's a welcome brochure. So let's send it to them before we see them. Yeah. So they've got the information before we talk to them. Um, so yeah, that's that's another thing I'd add into there on the uh, the like the print and media side of things as it's well. So cool. And I, I think you've got that as a template in your online course. Yes. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, we do. There you go. If you want to access to that template, log in and get it. There's one inside the tech tribe as well, but it doesn't look as nice as that one. So go and grab Pete's. <laughs> Sorry, Richard. You're going to go on to. Richard, you. I've got a terrible time. I've got to apologise, mate. That's gold. What you've just shared there, I think it's absolutely awesome. Yeah. I wanted to make the uh, the point. We're talking about traditional print marketing and things. Uh, people don't think as books has been marketing, but it is like one of the best uh, ways to position yourself as an authority. And you know. Uh, writing books yeah there's a lot of upfront work here but there's there's for msps watching you know people like paul green uh in in the uk and the usa he produces books for uh for clients that you know sort of ghostwrite them and allow them to get out i know nigel we've got ebooks in the and, and books in the in the offing in the tech tribe as well haven't we that are coming we're down gonna, the we're gonna cyber security one underway like an end user yeah. security one underway but, but the point in it is even though it's like a heavy lift if you're writing it from scratch um it's such an authority position for you. So I can tell you the amount of people who have decided, you know, uh, to work with me because it's like, oh, right, I've read your book. It's like the number one thing that you can position yourself as an authority. I would say public speaking would probably come a close uh, second there. Uh, but yeah, imagine walking into a, a meeting with a prospect and instead of handing them your business card, hey, hand them a copy of yeah. your book. Say, hey, I brought this as a gift for you. Or you meet somebody at a networking event, exchange business cards, and they ask you for something. You say, actually, that was in chapter three of my book. I'll send you a copy. And they get a nice little piece of, you know, a a nice little envelope come through with your book and a thank you note and stuff. So, yeah, at that point, it's a heavy lift, or it can feel like a heavy lift. Super, super important, though. Really good. I really want, I think Scott said it as well. I really want to write a book. Well, actually, well. I've, I've written yep. a book. When I, as soon as I sold my MSP, one of the first things I did was basically dump all of my thoughts into a book of like my journey. And then I think I got distracted by by something else and, and didn't do it. But <laughs> mainly because my memory is so bad that given a few years' time, I'm going to forget everything that happened when I was running my company, I'm it's, sure. It's, it's like a journal, isn't it? Like I've, I've written three, three books now. And I can tell you, each of the books that I wrote, I wrote 90% of them in like three weeks. And then the final 10% of them, nine months, <laughs> it took to finish. And Nigel, I've got two books that are 90% finished and have been for two years. And the pandemic came along and I've just put and it's like, for God's sakes, just get them out there. We talked last week about the book, you know, I've got content marketing for serious and boring industries. It's so close to being finished. So, it, you know, when I say it is a heavy lift, it does take some time to get there, but it, it's such a good... So, uh, so a question mate. for... I guess Richard and, and Nigel. So I, I've got my book that is basically written. Uh, it needs tidying up, it needs fixing, it needs like I guess proofreading. What what stages do you go through after you've kind of done that ninety percent? Yeah, I I, w- I would get on board a um a book editor pretty publisher. soon. So there's no, a not a publisher. The, uh, you probably don't need publisher. Self published. Yeah, there's there's a lady I work with in the UK. She's called the Proof Fairy. Uh, good branding there, and it's literally like, I bring her on at the start of the project with a book. But um, yeah, she goes through, and uh, you're a good writer, Pete. I know you are, but like 
I think I consider myself a good writer, but then when an editor gets involved, it's like, oh, I'm never going to write another book again. But they make the book look good for the readers. It's not, you know, mm. about your ego or anything. But then they format it for for Kindle, you know. And the last couple of books I've self published, and um, and, and you know, you're not going to make millions out of it. To mm. say that up front, so I'm going to position this purely as an authority builder. Uh, but if you self publish, you earn a lot more than if you go uh, the published route as well. Yeah. And Richard, you, you just before we dive out of book marketing, because book marketing is very, very, very powerful for MSPs and any professional services mm-hmm. business. You mentioned that it's a heavy lift. And, um, and I want to kind of challenge that a little bit in that, it, yes, it yeah. is to a degree, but it's not that hard to get out a basic book to people. And um, like, for instance, Agreed. like even that book that you've got there, Pete, the, the welcome book, that, that would have been a bit of a heavy lift for you guys. But if you had put that same time, effort, and energy into a cybersecurity for end users book or cybersecurity essentials for small businesses book, you would have been able to knock it out in probably, if you were the owner of the business, you probably would have only been able to spend six to eight to 12 hours writing. And that's it. That's not that much time writing it. And just a couple of chapters of some of the, the biggest risks and whatever. And then you hand it across to, like Pete said, someone else to go and do all that hard work of editing and making it look good and all of that kind of stuff. It's it's really not that hard to go and put a basic book together. And you you can get it something simple out there in like 6,000 words is more than enough of an authority building piece to go and put in some of, in front of your clients. And 6,000 words is just a big blog post. That's all it is. And that can turn into a, a 20 page, uh, sorry, a 40 page book um, with the right points, uh, the right margins and whatever, and images in it can probably turn into a 60 page book, which is an awesome authority building piece that you can go and write in eight to 12 hours. It's not that that hard of work to go and do it. Um, as we said, we're, we're rolling some out inside the Tech Tribe soon. You've got Paul Green's got some amazing ones inside inside his offering. Um, there's there's tons out there to help you ghostwrite it yourself. But if you did want to pick it up yourself and you've got your own ideas around a topic, it's it's not a massive heavy lift out there. It's it's something that you nearly every MSP you're, out there you're absolutely, can do. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Nigel. And, and picking up from last week's conversation that we had on Behind the Geeks, when we're talking about content marketing, I just want to make a point here uh, about content upgrades, so uh, Pete, Scott, Nigel, we all talked last week about, you know, you create a blog post and you turn it into maybe a video or a video into a blog post and podcast and so on and so forth. Um, if I say so myself, we did a Tub Talk Live this week with two experts in this area, Pascal Fintoni and Claire Jenks, and they were talking about upgrades of content. And they were talking about, for instance, if you do podcast interviews with somebody, pull them all together, find the common themes and turn it into an ebook. So, for instance, we've on Tub Talk, we've recently um, just about to, uh, to finish uh, an amazing women in tech season. This is prime to be turned into a lovely, glossy uh, book or an ebook uh, because we can grab all the interviews. We can have two, three pages, you know, with uh, sound bites and photographs and things like that, turns into a book. So, for anybody watching this and thinking, I don't know where we'd write a book, if you've got any blogs, if you've got any interviews you've done, if you've done any articles, if you've done a, a presentation, uh, a, a local chamber of commerce or whatever, these are all pieces of content that you could grab, uh, accentuate perhaps, but upgrade them and turn them into a book. And that's where, you know, that's where my book started out of a series of blog posts. So you're absolutely right, Nigel. I'm probably overemphasizing yeah. how it's a heavy lift. It doesn't have to be. Um, Correct. You, yeah. can, you can get started really soon. And, and there's great support around you to do it as well. And it's 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 such an authority building piece in terms of, of your marketing, like to go out there and, and as you said, turn up to a prospect meeting and, and leave a nicely formatted, nicely designed book that's helpful for them is going to elevate you above nearly anyone else that might be bidding for that same piece of business out there really, really, really easily. It might, as we said, it might take you a month to pull it together up front and, and 8, 10, 12, 15, 20 hours of your time to go and, and 
get something together if you're going to do it yourself. But in reality, if that's going to make you stand above the crowd fat in every single scenario that you're going to be bidding against other MSPs out there, that's going to be some of the best 20 hours that you're going to invest and a couple of grand you're ever going to invest into your business out there. Anyway, we were going to talk also about email marketing tonight, which um, is kind of the flip side to it. And we have mentioned it a couple of times in here because uh, email marketing is just another one of those channels where you can you can market to, to cold prospects and warm prospects and whatnot. Who wants to, to kick off the email marketing side of this conversation and, and where it can go? And I, I can see Pete getting itchy there. I think the first thing before you go into like the depths of email marketing is the fact that you need an email marketing system Everything starts. You need to put the data. So something like HubSpot, something like you know, Active Campaign, all the kind of bazillion <laughs> systems. Probably by the Tech Tribe. Tech Tribe one that's coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> but there's the, getting the data in there is the first key because you can spend all the time in the world kind of planning out your email campaigns and all these kind of things. But if you don't have a a system to put it in and b people to email to. <laughs> then it's pretty useless. Like you need to go out and build your list. Your list is like one of the most valuable things in any MSP. Um, obviously, you've got your list of your existing clients, yes, but actually doing the outreach, maybe hiring someone to just go go scour LinkedIn to try and collect some data from local businesses, know who your niche kind of ideal target customer is. So if you're going for solicitors of a certain size in a certain location, then narrow that search down and gather that data. Um, I don't know what your opinions are, guys, about um, buying data. I know GDPR had a bit of an impact on that, but what are your thoughts around buying the data in? It's not something I've I've uh, ever done, but I know people who have who have done it, and it depends. We've got a global audience here, haven't we? So I know you know people in the uh, Australia, perhaps USA, and things. It's a big <laughs> deal here in the UK, uh, not so much. But I know people who have done it. Not something I've ever done. Scott, have you ever bought a list and marketed to it? Not currently. In our previous business, yes, um, we bought like about 10,000 business contacts. But what we found was, and we paid a, a reasonable price for it, is that most of it was out of date by the time it had already been purchased. And so then we had to then go and you, you had to then go and filter that whole list yourself. And when it was 10,000 contacts, that was a lot of filtering to do. And it just kind of got lost in the ether with the marketing team as you know, someone had to own that job of filtering that list and validating all the details. Now, it could well be that we bought it from the wrong people, but we, we yeah, paid yeah. a reasonable price from a, from a known brand and got 10,000 contacts. And it just it, it didn't end up being useful at all. Um, that's not to say that it won't work for everybody, but it, it wouldn't be on my hit list of things to do. I think I'd rather, for me, build my own list. Um, and that Agreed. would be by giving away, you know, as we always talk about giving, 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 you know, give away content or information or knowledge. Um, and and maybe just put some of that a little bit behind a captive portal on a on a landing page, you know, give away a whole load of information. Say, hey, if you'd like to learn a little bit more, we've got an ebook or a PDF or whatever it is. Just pop in your email address here. Um, by the way, you know, and be candid. This this will add you to our marketing list. Where we'll send you other relevant information. And I think, Pete, that that probably ties into your point of saying you need a system that then categorizes those customers because we're not just going to go and spam them and send them all kinds of stuff they're not interested in. Oh. You know, these people signed up maybe for a <laughs> cybersecurity brochure. So let's make sure we segment them and, and we only send them things that are relevant to, to security. And then we're not, we're not annoying them. Um, but yeah, I think I would, I would rather go that way about it. I'm still at a very fledgling stage of that in our business, which is, you know, putting that content out there and, and we're not, 
we're probably very bad at harvesting emails <laughs> into into marketing lists and maybe been a bit scared off by the whole gdpr and, and you know um eu situation here um so it might well be that that's that's not something that i'm keen on doing yeah the point you make about the segmentation though i think is absolutely it's key to this whole conversation about email marketing because people often think that the bigger the list, the more success they're going to have. But I would rather have a list of 100 people with 99 of them opening and clicking on my emails every week than a list of 100,000 where hardly anybody uh, clicks on it. So it's not about the volume. And, and segmentation plays such an important part on there. So, you know, in the tribe, we use uh, Active Campaign. I use Active Campaign within my own business. But, you know, many of the modern email tools have got the ability to uh, segment by uh, links, but ultimately, also to look at the behavior of what people are looking at in article in your email newsletters and other emails and segment them there. So let me give you an example. You know, Scott, you just mentioned if you, you send emails out, perhaps you've got a couple of bits in there about M365 and you've got an article uh, or you've got a link in there about cybersecurity. If you do that every week, you know, a tool like Active Campaign, for instance, if somebody's clicking on cybersecurity links in your email newsletter every week, it's going to say, hey, these guys, I'm going to segment them as hashtag cybersecurity or something along those lines. Or, for instance, if they're always clicking on links about email archiving tools, you know, a, a tool like Active Campaign and others can segment them as, hey, this might be somebody that you want to get in touch with about your email marketing, uh, sorry, about your email archiving services. So segmentation is absolutely key. And, and I think, you know, the days of just sending it, blasting an email out to mm -hmm. your entire list. Long gone. That's a surefire way to get people turned mm -hmm. off to what you're saying. What is a good open rate? What's a good average open rate for emails? Yeah. I mean, I can share what, what we you guys are seeing. Yeah. So we, we typically do between 25 to 30%. And that's pre-segmentation. So yeah. we've only segment segmented recently. So I know that's above the average for the industry, but it's still still not good enough for me. We get much higher in the tribe, don't we, Nigel? Because yeah, uh, but obviously it's, it's it's segmented by we're a captive audience out, too inside the tribe, yeah. and so so we we typically get forty to fifty percent in a lot of ours. But that's because that's marketing or emails to our members, right? So it's completely different, yeah. and it's a, a like weekly wrap ups and weekly news. When we're doing email marketing in the tribe, we typically see those same sort of numbers. When it's going out to prospects that aren't a tech tribe member, it's the twenty to forty percent range that we'll get and click-throughs depends on your call to actions like it all comes down to how good you are at crafting a call to action to encourage people to click through to the next step when we're doing really good ones I, i've i've sent out marketing emails where i've got 20 to 40 percent click-through rates on them which is which is huge when you're sending cold emails like scott's talking about where you go and buy a cold list of ten thousand, you go and send it out and you're trying to get a call to action out of them sometimes you're lucky to get 0.001 percent click-through rates and points 0.01% reply rates on them. But that's because of the nature of your relationship with the list and you don't have it in there. But when we're, it all comes, there's so many variables that make up that difference in there as to, to, to what you're going to get good rates in there. And it comes down to your relationship with your list. Like as we've yeah. talked about on so many of these things, it's, it's what's jab, 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 right hook, I think is, is Gary V's method of it, but it's really yeah. value, 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 pitch, value, 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 Pitch. You do it that way, and you're going to have people interacting with your stuff. But if you go pitch, 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 little bit of value. Pitch, 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 pitch. People don't read your stuff. They unsubscribe. They mark you as spam. Your deliverability goes down, and you get those 0.1, 0.2% rates. You have a good relationship with your list, like Richard does with his list, and he gets those 30% open rates on a um, on a on a good marketing list out there. And it's so done. I'll, I'll share something as well about 
uh, click-through rates as well. And this is for anybody watching. It's All of us have had, whichever part of the world we're in, we've had a leaflet pushed through the door, haven't we, uh, To for, for the local pizza company. Yeah. Has anybody ever picked up that leaflet and then gone, oh, my God, I need to go and buy a pizza right now? You just don't. It sits there in the background. And then when you fancy pizza, you get to that drawer in your kitchen with all of the junk in and you get the pizza. Anyway, you get the points. Email marketing, you know, I can tell you more often than not, I have sent an email out and somebody has picked up the phone to me or dropped me an email back having not read the email (laughs) and said, I got your email newsletter through. It reminded me I needed to call you about this project. <laughs> Nothing at all. So don't, you know, it's to your point, Pete, about your uh, printed newsletter and things. Quite often, it is just being front of mind. So mm. the consistency, mm. you know, I send the MSP Insights every Tuesday to the industry. Some people don't read at all for weeks. And then all of a sudden, they'll read all of them in a go and pick up the phone to me, or they won't read it at all and pick up the phone to me. You know, so it's not just about the content being timely for the person. It's about being front of mind as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's worth remembering that the more often that you're speaking to people, the more likely you are to be on their mind. Yeah. Recency. I think that's a great question. I was going to say, how often should we be sending this stuff out then? If we're thinking about, you know, print and email marketing, I think we had this question last week when it was about social content, like how much is too much, you know, and, and in this case, when I'm thinking about print marketing and traditional marketing that way, that that's all a cost. So what kind of cadences do we think is, is good, you know, for, for staying top of mind with our clients? I think as long as you're going back to, was it Nigel or, or you guys said, of, or actually you, Scott, segmenting your data, as long as your data is segmented properly, it doesn't really matter. There's, there's no real correct answer to any of that. Um, I get that question an awful lot with like the video side of things, like how long should a video be? But there are reasons why TikTok exists. There are reasons why feature length uh, films exist. You can have a video as long as it wants, as long as your audience is looking for that. So I think as long as you're yeah as long as you're niching your content as long as you're providing value again if you're putting something in there that's useful to them valuable to them then it doesn't matter you, you could go every every day dare I even say every hour if there's I've, enough I've value never, I don't there. think I've ever seen an MSP do too much out there yet yeah, at yeah. all and and my answer to that one really is as much as you need to to get the results that you need that's it like if you if you've got a certain level of of people a certain goal in your business that you need to get to then you're going to have to put out as much stuff that's going to get you to that result and and more and so to give you a, a chance like some buffer in there to make sure that you're going to reach your goals and and as i said most msps like I, i've never seen an msp putting out too much stuff yet and i don't think i ever will i've rarely ever see any business putting out too much stuff like the problem is always not putting out anywhere near enough stuff and the other problem is putting out the wrong stuff to the wrong people, untargeted, unspecified, unsegmented as well. That's the other part of the problem there. But it's never putting out too much stuff. It's, not, it's just putting out the wrong stuff to the wrong people at the wrong time is, is always the problem. Out of interest, for those who are watching and listening or what have you, if you're uh, watching now, in the comments down below, can you write how often you're doing your email marketing? If it's like a weekly newsletter, if it's like a, a monthly thing, a daily thing, just yeah, love to see interest it. to say. Don't have to cover it now, but um, just uh, interest to see what, what response. Let's see if we get anyone using the chat box. Come on, guys. I'd like to see. <laughs> and feel free to throw a big fat note zero in there if you're doing nothing, because most of us at one stage are doing nothing. Perfectly, okay. Correct. Mm. Yeah, and I saw um inside the text. Drive, one I mean, of the I, I guarantee what's holding people back is is time. 
yeah, it's, time, it's time to do this because you you get marketing teams and you hire a marketing person and you hire a bunch of marketing people, but they are not able to write the content that you want because they don't truly understand the business or what it is that you do, especially in, in an MSP. What are the technical issues? What are the interesting news stories? So the marketing team can be you know a, a barrier to this. It's great that they can prepare all the materials and they can monitor the campaigns, but they can't put the content together. And in smaller MSPs, that comes down to you know a lot of the technical teams or, or you know the, the the business owner to write the content and produce the content and write the theme tune sing the theme tune what was that off <laughs> it is but, but that really doesn't like it's as that excuse is so hard to use nowadays when you've got services like paul green's out there that that's got that that baseline level of your nurturing content at a really 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 cheap price out there at a really really and, and all he needs then is just a marketing intern or a, an admin person to go and roll it out he's got I don't know how much in his pack each month is included, but it's it's a hundred odd different pieces probably by the time you break it all apart and stretch it all apart and throw it up there. And even then, that's still not enough to go and get out there each month for, for most MSP. It's kind of just the surface level stuff you should be doing before you start stacking all this other stuff on top. I think, and it's... I think, I, I, sorry, you go, Scott. I was going to say, I think that's fair, but do you know what happens when you outsource your entire marketing campaigns like that to someone else is that you completely lose your personality and you tone do. voice? yeah. And that's what I was saying. That's kind of the baseline. You stack your voice on top of all that stuff. Like that stuff's kind of your yeah. baseline layer that's there behind the scenes doing stuff so that your, your Facebook pages are active and all of that, your social media accounts are active. Then you do what you're doing, like your awesome video YouTube channel on top, which is where your personality shines through. And it's kind of, it's, it's, you need both of those things in there. You can't do one or the other and expect there's good results as having both happening at the same time. No, I think that's fair. We, I mean, we outsource so much stuff that we are not, the best at and i, I think it, it there's perfect room for us to find maybe we just haven't found the right partner when we you know we pulled together an outsource set of campaigns that would write our weekly blogs and you know it's monthly hard. email shots and stuff like that and it's maybe just about finding the right partner i just know we had some experiences where it just wasn't working like that's not how we talk to people that's not how you know that's not our personality yeah. and so you spend more time rewriting it and then going well, hang on we pay you guys to do this <laughs> um so yeah I, yeah i'm a big fan of the approach of like that, that gary v approach of you're creating the, the top of the con top yeah. of the funnel yeah. content you're creating that top level stuff and then it's the outsourcer's yeah. job just to kind of digest that into all the various mediums yeah. and formats cut and syndicate and, so it does mean um, you are spending the time creating that first bit of content, but that's, yeah. I mean, if you can turn one, one bit of content into something insane, like 600 pieces of yeah, yeah. content or something, <laughs> if you can do, yeah. hey, but and that's you know, if you like got in there. a video into a blog post, into an article, into a newsletter, that kind of thing, even if you get five pieces out of one piece, it, yeah. it's still a great place to start. It's coming out with your voice then when you're doing it that way. That mm. service, um, a shout out, is it Amy Woods, Richard, that, that's over there that runs that Content 10X service? And, and she will take, like, if you do a video, I think she's got a service where um, you just need to do one video every two weeks, Scott, and they'll jump on a phone call with you and do a one or two hour video with you. And they, they pull out your personality and interview and all sorts of stuff. And they, out of that one video, they get something like 60 pieces or something. And I might be paraphrasing the, the wow. number there and I might be getting that wrong, but they charge a, a monthly service for it. But then everything's in your personality because it's you. They're just cutting the whole thing up. Their whole service is cutting you up into all those things. And there's a bunch of those really good services out there. I know I've, I mentioned her because I've seen the results of her stuff and it actually looks really good. Like they're, they're a high quality service from what I've seen out there. But- I mean, even for me, and, and we are we are busy, you know, doing doing a lot of different things in the different channels. That sounds like a perfect match for us. You yeah. Know? And I, I can see, you know, if I look at Lee, he's just made a comment that just says he's found the past two weeks really uncomfortable because <laughs> marketing Sorry, effort is almost zero. 
like they're at the beginning of that journey and it's another it's another mountain to climb right and yeah. I, I i can totally resonate with that because there's so much stuff that falls on you know on on me as the as the owner operator player manager look i've used a football term get in everyone will be proud <laughs> but it's that that falls on you that there's you're just like where where's the time and so having good outsourced you know like everything else that we've done that we say we're not good at this having a good outsourced partner is definitely called for but i love this idea of content 10x that sounds like one that I would love to get into because we do make regular videos. And if yeah. someone could pull that out and turn it into blogs and posts and socials, yeah. I, I'm in for that. Uh, but Lee, I think, yeah, you and I are on the, the same pain. Um, it's it's difficult. You know, it's difficult to find the time. But we all recognize you'll put the effort in and, and the return is massive. You know, we've already talked about, you know, even two times return on email campaigns, five times returns on print You don't campaigns. get that in a stock market where you put a dollar in and get another dollar out within a no, you week, do you? Like, no. It just, no. doesn't work. And, and I don't get that in NFTs. No, that, that hasn't worked out well for me. Um, but yeah, there's, this, this is amazing stuff. I'm learning loads this week as well, which I'm, I'm loving. So I, I really appreciate well, I you think guys. one thing to touch on there, particularly with, with Lee, like overwhelm and things from Gary's not doing a newsletter. There's, there's lots of people that are worried they're not doing enough. I think certainly, at least talking about the, like the smaller end, like the nimble MSP end, I feel like you shouldn't be putting as much focus on like the marketing and outsourcing and those kind of things. Just focus on actually delivering the best service you can because that will kind of market itself. Mm spend the time actually making sure the best service you have is there. So when you do come to the marketing, it then just enhances it and grows it that way. The whole thing we had when we started doing marketing was like, right, our business is growing. It's doing really well. You know, we're organically growing. What if, what if we can just do this marketing thing and do it well, then it will just accelerate what we've already got. Throw some fuel on kind of an already existing fire. Yeah. That's a, yeah. And one, one thing I'll say with that marketing, where, like when you're getting to that point where you're, you're kind of struggling to get it started is I see most of it as mindset and most of it happens. And I know Lee, I'm probably going to call you out here just because um, you'll probably let me, but I know you've gone through this period in your business right now where you've, you've not focused anything on marketing because you've been putting in this incredible ground floor, like these incredible systems that are now in there that you've now built this service delivery team that's cooking with gas and you've got all your SOPs and your processes and everything. And so your season right now, up until now was to focus on that, not to focus on marketing. And so you can't, beat yourself up about that. You can't do anything about that. You can now say though, that I'm now at the point where now my next challenge is to solve this marketing thing. And I'm going to go and, and learn and be uncomfortable like you are now and do all that stuff. And this is my next season in here. But what you've got to build as you've gone through that and what you are building now is the confidence in yourself to know that what you're doing for your clients is a good thing. And that's probably the biggest, I probably butchered the way I wanted to get that out. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say there is, most MSPs, when they're struggling to switch into marketing mode to go out and market their business, the main reason is not a time issue or a, I don't understand the tactics or I don't understand the strategy or I don't have the money. It's actually confidence in themselves and their product to deliver behind the scenes. And that's what holds most of them back. And I think, Lee, you're at that perfect spot right now where um, you have gone and built that back-end system now that you you now should have the confidence to go out and sell that now and go out and not only sell it, but feel that it is your duty to go and sell it because there is a bunch of clients, there's hundreds of thousands of small businesses out there that don't have access to your awesome product and your awesome service and your awesome team that are having a disservice from their current members. And you now it's your duty. And the more you see it as your duty, the, the more um, excited you get about marketing and the more easier your marketing flows and the more you, you want to dive into it because 
you you kind of feel like you have to for your client's sake out there now. So it's kind of a long way to trying to get around to explain that. But I think you, we all go through those seasons and those phases of confidence and non-confidence in our product and our services and having to put a season on building our product. But then when you get to that point of focusing on marketing, you go all in because you realize that you've got to get your awesome stuff out to your people and do it. So anyway, that's it. <laughs> that's end of my rant. I guess, Richard, if you want to chat about some marketing foundation stuff is those of you that are looking in terms of like segregating your data, those of you who are looking to like, how do I segregate? What do I segregate? My three initial like go-tos before you get into like really topic and category specific would be you've got a big massive email marketing list or maybe if it's, if it's if even just your clients have three like funnels or three categories. One of them is your, like, your marketing, you know, general, just generic marketing. One of them is your critical updates. So that is when something's blown up or gone offline or service outage. That's your category where you can email those urgent emails to your clients. And the third one is product updates. So if you've got a new service or a new app in 365, that's the category you use for those. So that gives you three basic categories to get started. And then, of course, yeah, if you can segregate beyond that, then absolutely do. You know, you can you can be segregating to clients, non-clients, warm clients, ex-clients, and all that stuff within those groups as well. But just start off with those three categories and then figure out where it takes you from there. Richard. Richard, do you want to talk about the uh, foundation? Well, hopefully you can hear me. But yeah, Richard was just saying that last week we were called out because Richard and I had not finished our marketing foundations training on the tech tribe. But now, and he's even got the certificate to prove it, he has finished it. Um, and so have I. Um, it's been an absolutely fantastic course, and I can't believe that I didn't do it sooner. But you guys were talking about your tofus and your mofus and your bofus, <laughs> your top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel, and where you should apply your different campaigns and what to expect. I love it. It's been absolutely fantastic. And it was also a good kick in the bum for me to go through and finish all the other courses that I'd started. So yeah. the cybersecurity primer with Jennifer Bleen, the Andrew Moon LinkedIn Foundation, $2,000 value course. I've done all of those. So now when you look at me in the tech tribe, I've got all the badges. You're badged up. <laughs> I'm all badged up. But honestly, the, the training is fantastic. I'd recommend anyone here who's a tech tribe member go through it. It is well worth it. I learned so much. And I'm currently reading um, Magnetic Marketing by Dan awesome. Kennedy. Awesome. Yeah. And, and again, that's, that's on audiobook. That's how I read things. Read. Yeah. <laughs> but So in my car, he's, he's busy wittering away to me. And it's awesome. I'm, I'm loving it. Cranky old Dan, so yeah. who's, who's one of the most yeah. amazing minds in the marketing world. So no, I'm loving it. So genuinely, get yourself into the tribe. Get on those courses. They are super duper valuable. I've learned so much already just this week. Uh, but I'm going to go back through them because they, they don't take a long time. It maybe took me a couple of hours you know, to get through each one. Um, and now it's just worth going back through and just, you know, I always like to read things a couple of times to get it really locked in there. That means you've got to listen to me a couple of times. That's scary. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. oh, heck yeah. It, it, there's always, there's, you guys will love this. There's always a course that is in, exclusively run by Andrew Moon or Jennifer Bleem, but Nigel's just got to get in there at the beginning. Here's 10 minutes of me, just, uh, just to make sure you know. <laughs> it's me, I set this up. But Setting anyway, the thing. I'll, I'll hand you a in a minute, but uh, here's me. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my face on their videos sometime soon in the next one so that they, they're talking, but it's my head. <laughs> Anyway, we've got to wrap up. We're already over time. I don't know what's going on with Richard's mic, but we will endeavor to try and figure out what's going on there. So sorry, everybody, for having some moments of silence in there, but we will figure it out. I suspect there's something wrong with the restream platform that we use here, but we'll figure that out. But anyway, hopefully that was helpful to everybody. I'm going to hand over to Pete, who always does the awesome wrap-up at the end. 
and tells people where to click up there or there or there. Thank you, guys. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thanks for everyone in the comments. Lovely to see you uh, commenting today. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, make sure you subscribe to the channel on YouTube, which will be down below Richard. If you go onto the podcast platform as well, whatever your favorite podcast platform is, we're on there too. Make sure you grab a link. Click the link down below to sign up for Tech Drive to get some uh, 40% discount off your first month. Invaluable resources in there, like all the marketing kind of resources and uh, courses that Scott's just talked about, and get your own certificates. And uh, yeah, I think with that said, we're going to figure out what we're going to talk about next week. We'll see you same time, same place in a week's time. Thanks. And so I'm going to throw a last sneaky pitch in here for your stuff, Pete, because some of it was mentioned on here. So if you're not a, a member of Pete's online course thing, he's got some of his stuff in there as well. So go and go and check that out if you haven't already. But that's it from us. I'm clicking the end stream button. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Richard. We'll chat to you all same time, same place next week. Bye for now. And thank you, Lee, for being um, so generous at being our guinea pig and on the receiving end. You're a, a gentleman and a scholar. Thanks, guys. Thank you.